Get in the car. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. Hello, 2021. It only took us two months to get this right. Welcome to the Party of Four podcast here at Mistwood Golf Club. I'm Ben Hutchison alongside Andy Michelson. We're excited for the episode. We have Mizuno Golf Territory Manager Chris Campbell joining us a little bit later on. He'll jump on the phone to talk about their new equipment, everything out there. But the biggest news in golf right now, Tiger Woods involved in that horrible car crash. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department said he was the driver and sole occupant of the vehicle, and he had to be extricated. Now, his agent, right after the crash and the rollover, put out a statement saying that he was in a single-car accident in California where he suffered multiple leg injuries. He went through surgery, and they thanked everyone for the privacy and support. Then late on Tuesday night, we got what I feel like was a much-needed update from Tiger's official Twitter account. Representatives at Harbor UCLA Medical Center said, quote, Woods is recovering from a long surgical procedure to repair significant orthopedic injuries to his right lower extremity, open fractures affecting both the upper and lower portions of the tibia and fibula bones, were stabilized by inserting a rod into the tibia. Additional injuries to the bones of the foot and ankle were stabilized with a combination of screws and pins. The best news out of all of this, they added that Tiger was awake, responsive, and recovering in the hospital room. This shocked everyone, Andy, and this hit hard. Yeah, where it just basically, my phone literally blew up um, just with people like, have you seen the news and all the other stuff? I just, there's, there's so many questions around it still that just make you, make you scratch your head. Like the, the time of day, the, you know, type of road he was on, it wasn't like he was on the highway. He was going through basically a residential area. Um, but yeah, just, there's so much speculation. And then obviously, you know, people jump to the conclusion of, you know, maybe he's under the influence or something, something like that, which is, is not fair. It, it it wasn't wasn't part of the original report. Um, you know, I, I worried about before that that notice came out about you know kind of further developments on his legs. The fact that the officer came to the scene, Tiger's responsive, but he didn't want to move him because he was basically in, in bad enough shape to where he had to wait another six minutes for the for the paramedics to come. That's 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 pretty scary. I mean, you just don't care about golf at that point. I mean, the the scene from the accident was absolutely incredible. I mean, that's a, that's a brand new car that basically <laughs> looked like a shell. The whole entire front end's off, the entire back end's flown off. He went through trees and, um, you know, they talked about a stump being basically ripped out of the ground. He was, he was coming through with, with so much force, but man, why, why doesn't he have a driver? Like that's, that's one of the biggest questions I, I heard coming out of this. And, and like sit, sit back and think about it. Like, He's doing a shoot for Golf Digest. Why didn't they have a driver for him? Why is why is he driving his own car? That doesn't make sense to me. I kind of wonder that seeing tournaments week to week, depending on the car sponsor, why do they do that in golf? You have Buick, they have Mercedes-Benz for a week, and then they had, obviously, these Genesis cars for a week. Like, why does golf do that? So golf, usually, well, normally, they do have people driving the players to the tournaments. I would say 80-plus percent of the players get driven back and forth to the tournament. But there's certain players, and it seems like almost more of the high-profile players just say to the sponsor, I, I'll, I don't need a driver, I'll just have the car for the week. 
and they do that, and they, they take care of them. I can remember all the way back to uh, the Western Open days when Buick used to sponsor it, um, you know, sitting in that car with, with players as they would drive them from 18 green to 1T at, at, at Dubs. And, uh, yeah, there was always drivers for, for all of these cars. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like you said, a lot of questions will come out about it. The good news right now is that he's recovering. Golf isn't even something to think about. Our thoughts and prayers, obviously, with his family and uh, just focusing on his health right now. Yeah, my hope is is if, if he is to the point where he can't play golf, I, I would really hope that he would he would stay involved in it. I know it's been a you know a tough twenty five years. You know, if you watch it, even that HBO documentary and, and stuff like that. Uh, he's been in the limelight to a whole another degree. I mean, maybe Michael Jordan would be the other person that you could you could put in that light. But um, I have a feeling that he's gonna he's gonna just want his privacy and and, and go away. Uh, but man, I hope he stays involved in in some fashion, some capacity. You know, Ryder Cup captain, Presidents Cup captain, stay involved um, throughout the process. I would I would absolutely love to see Tiger still be part of this game. He's a very very important piece of this game. There's no doubt. Change the game. Yeah, he did. He did. I can like. There are moments that are tied to Tiger winning majors. Tony Finau said yesterday. He said, "If I didn't watch the final round of the '97 Masters, I would not have started playing golf." I can remember exactly where I was at watching that tournament when I was 16 years old. I am one of millions that can remember where they were at watching that tournament when they were whatever age they are. He inspired literally the entire tour that's on tour right now under the age of 40 that that's why they started playing golf. Almost to a man, you'll hear them say that. And then he also changed the game in fitness, changed the game in distance. You know, there was no such thing as proofing any golf course, and then they called it tiger-proofing golf courses. He changed all of that. The competitive drive to – I mean, I'll put it this way – 1996, so I standard bared for a long time at the at the Western Open. In 1996, 97, 98, they were still, well, I would say it's more 97. There were still guys on tour hitting wood drivers because they felt nice and they, you know, they didn't really care about feel. They could still shape the golf ball. Well, guess what Tiger did? Tiger comes out, he blows away fields by hitting it nine miles, and guess what? Well, that little the little field components and all that other stuff went away, and guys are now trying to bomb it as far as they possibly can. So he's he's changed the game in every single aspect. And we're looking forward to more good news coming out Absolutely. about him as his recovery does begin. But let's move on to the event that took place out there, the 2021 Genesis Invitational. We had Max Homa winning. Now, Max Homa is a guy who's on Twitter. People will send him their swing videos, and he'll just roast them. He, he has a great personality, a great brand in that sense, but people don't picture him as someone who can win a tournament. He's not one. He's not a decent foul on Twitter. He's like 1A. I would say <laughs> 1 is Club Pro Guy. Every yeah. single golfer has to follow Club Pro Guy. Yes. And then number 2 is Max Homa. Um, if you don't know who Max Homa is, he'll literally sit there and roast golf swings. So you send him his golf swing or you tag him on a post and he'll literally give you his honest critique of golf swings. And it's, it's some of the funny, funniest stuff you'll ever see. But, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of crying on tour lately, which is a good sign. Cause that means, means that it means a lot to those guys. And it's really cool to see, you know, Max Homa was a local kid, grew up in the LA area. Um, it was literally always his dream to meet Tiger, he said, and yeah. he was always too nervous and scared to, to talk to Tiger. And 
he broke down when they were interviewing after the round because he he realized at that point he was going to get handed a trophy by Tiger Woods, which I thought was really cool. And then he was like, now he has to say hi to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing. But Max Homa, <laughs> we talk about his past. He was a 2013 NCAA champion at UC Berkeley. I think he finished ninth in his first pro tournament. But, man, golf is a grind, and that just proves that his first win was in 2019 at the Wells Fargo. Totally. I mean, we talk about the stories. I mean, look at the few guys that have, like, just gone straight in. you got the Jordan Spieth of the world that, you know, chip in out of the bunker three months after being out of Texas, and we followed Jordan Spieth's career, right? And then Tiger was an instant sensation. And we seem to isolate these few guys that – uh, our sensations right out of the gate, but you don't understand. There are ninety five percent of the tour is is guys with war wounds, man, with battle wounds, battle scars, playing playing basically for their for their entry fee. Um, you know, there's there's so many of those guys that that come up through you know different different developmental tours that that weren't necessarily corn fairy hits right away. You know, they go go from a developmental tour and they get a chance to play in a Monday qualifier for a corn ferry. They get through there. Then they get through the next level. Um, you know, perfect example, when I had graduated from school was Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson played at Drake University. You know what Zach Johnson's senior year high school scoring average, or I'm sorry, college scoring average was? I was a freshman at Bradley at the time. What do you think it was? Take a shot. 76. Bingo. 76.3. <laughs> he graduates not being in the top 25 in the in the Valley, which isn't necessarily known as this powerhouse golf. Uh, I, I want to play in the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> so so isn't even the top 25 player in the Valley. Basically just grinds it out for six years. I mean, he's playing the North Dakota tour. He's playing, you know, the – the what you would call the manure tours of of Iowa, Iowa Open, Waterloo Open, and then something clicks, and he wins three times in in two thousand four, and then you know as as he tells the story, his his mom kept questioning whether or not tour life was the right thing for him, and I think he finally gave her a gift in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, uh, and it was just a sheet of his career earnings of thirty two million dollars and. <laughs> basically said, I think I made the right choice uh, in life, grinding it out. So there's those stories nine out of ten times more than there is the the guys that just have instant success. So for Max Homa, even though he had a decorated career, um, you know, it, it, it's a journey. And there's guys that haven't made it. I Not to keep going back to the past, the one of the best best two amateurs that I had ever seen or competed against, Colt Nost, who's now announcing, and Bubba Dickerson, no one's heard of in the last 10 years. Bubba Dickerson won multiple NCAA championships, won a USAM, won a USAM Publix, won a Western Am. I mean, th- that's like the pinnacle of amateur golf and never heard from him again. Ryan, Ryan Moore has struggled. Ryan Moore had arguably a Tiger Woods-level amateur career, and, and Ryan Moore... You know he's he's good he's 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 pretty good, but you know he had a, a difficult journey to, to get to where he's at, and he still fights every week for for uh, relevancy. And even going back to Homa, I think I was looking in his best major finishes tied for sixty fourth in the twenty nineteen PGA Championship. He missed the cut at the Masters last year. <laughs> 
it's who's hot and who can just get it done on any given weekend. Yeah, and it's about being comfortable in your own skin. I mean, even even Max Homa, even though he had all all that you know success, even grew up as an amateur, to have to make a little three foot snake on the last hole to win your first PGA Tour event. Man. Obviously, that's <laughs> yeah. Everyone felt for him when he missed it, but obviously, there's a there's a level of nerves or a level of comfort there that he's never felt in his life, um, and, and so. The whole thing is a, is a learning process, and I don't care what what level it's at. Um, you're going to feel that, and and you have to get comfortable in your own skin in order to to win. Obviously, the hardest wins win is the first one. I think obviously the second hardest win is the second one, but then I think the floodgates open. He's got too much talent. Hits a hits a real nice golf ball, pretty straight, little fade, uh, with a lot of ball speed. So he'll, he'll he'll be around as long as he gets comfortable. He'll be around. And what about Tony Finau, man? He just can't get a win, but He's the guy that's always in the top 10, top 20, Masters tournament, top five, PGA Championship, well, tied for fourth, U.S. Open fifth, Open Championship third, all in recent years. Saw a crazy stat on Sunday night. Tony Finau, since his last win, which was the Puerto Rico Open. I have that right, right? Puerto Rico Open, I think, is his last win. 37 top 10 finishes. Over 20 top five finishes. That just goes to show basically how critical those last three or four holes are. I mean, Tony Finau had that had that tournament in his grasp, and just an errant shot or two uh, literally cost him. He had to drive the middle of the back nine on Sunday that was was critical. Um, you know, if that if that goes two feet further, he might win the golf tournament. Hits the lip, comes back in the bunker, hits it fat and short hits this real scruffy looking chip to about 25 feet and barely two putts and makes, makes bogey. Well, that really stifled his momentum from the, from the day when he was, you know, had a pretty good front nine. So, you know, I think the, the one thing that every golfer should take out of watching the PGA tour, um, or even if you're thinking of competing, it doesn't need to be on the PGA tour, just competing heck in, in anything uh, is the understanding the value that each shot has and understanding literally the difference between one shot cost somebody a tournament, and that's one shot over four rounds. So, you know, never quit on a shot. Never never think that that shot is not as important as the last shot you just hit um, because if you understand that value, that's how you become a good player is, is understanding the value that every shot needs to needs to be valued at its highest level. Would you put Tony Finau as one of the top golfers to not win a major at this point? I would have said that three years ago. 185 ball speed when he wants it. That's top 10 or 15 on tour. One of the most accurate drivers on tour. Uh, can hit it high, can hit it low. Um, you know, has has a great, great iron game. I, I would say that the biggest hiccup in his game might be putting. Um, you know, he doesn't have a great technique. His, his eye line is here. I'm going to nerd out again. His eye line is well inside of the golf ball, uh, which tends to create a inconsistent stroke. Some of the greatest players, um, that you've seen over the history in the tour usually have their eye line over the top of the golf ball or over the top of their stroke or just inside of it. And he's well inside of it, which, um, doesn't allow for a, a extremely consistent hit, but he's comfortable doing that. Um, 
Yeah, it, it kind of befuddles me how he has not just almost stumbled into a win. You know, it seems like when he's in contention or trying to win, there are other guys playing just as good as just as good as he is, and, and um, just seem to kind of come out ahead. I don't think there's some big, you know, issue with with how he closes. I think he's just kind of had a bit a string of bad luck. But man, he's an ATM. Thirty-seven top tens in the last five years. I'll take that. Yeah, he's not he's not hurting when it comes no. to the ATM. No. He is one in three in playoffs, though. So he did win the Puerto Rico Open in a playoff, but then he lost three other playoffs, including to Max Homa. So it is. It's literally the break, Andy. The breaks that go one way or the other. Absolutely. And speaking of breaks, let's take one real fast. And after this commercial message, we'll be back with Chris Campbell and Mizuno Golf to talk about all of their new equipment. There was no blueprint for 2020. At Mistwood Golf Dome, we didn't want to wait for change, so we created it from the ground up. A brand new experience to take your game to the next level with Top Tracer technology. 30 hitting bays. You're next up on the tee. Book your reservation at mistwoodgolfdome.com. And welcome back, everyone. We now jump to the phone line, and we have... A good friend of the show, Chris Campbell, territory manager with Mizuno Golf. And we just had a fitting at Miswa Golf Dome. Lots of excitement. So much great new equipment. How are you doing, Chris? We're doing very well. Thank you guys for having me. How'd that fitting go over there at the Dome? The fitting went really well. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric and uh, the guys staff did a great job of promoting the event, getting it out there to your huge database. And uh, we, had a, we had a full sheet. We actually started a little early and ran a little late. So those are always good things uh, when the demand is extremely high for the product. And you guys do a fantastic job of marketing and, uh, and getting the word out. That's AKA Andy screwed up in creating the bookings and it filled up in six minutes. So yeah, no, we appreciate your, uh, your flexibility there. Um, you know, as Double I, bookings are never a problem. All that <laughs> says is we have, we have a lot of people looking for stuff and that is a, the more the merrier. That's uh yeah that's always a good thing. So uh, every non I would say non staffer of Mizuno's guilty pleasure is Mizuno uh, clubs. Kind of what makes them so special? We obviously have a, a long time standing as being one of the most dominant irons on the PGA Tour, and that uh, obviously comes from our forging process. We have uh, uh, very close to perfected the forging process. Uh, the feel consistency. Uh, sound of the golf clubs is something that we work incredibly hard on in every single level, not just the irons that the players are uh, playing on tour and on the professional tools worldwide, but obviously the irons that the everyday golfer can play because we do extensive what we call HIT testing, which is harmonic impact testing uh, for the overall sound of the golf club. So every iron in our entire line from our muscle back that of course everybody uh, kind of pigeonholes us into just selling those muscle back irons, but all the way through our game improvement, uh, JPX Hot Metal, Hot Metal Pro, and our 921 Forged um, go through that same extensive testing. So the feel, the sound are absolutely unsurpassed by anybody in the industry. Sound is sound is basically all about feel, right? I mean, the, the sound of the golf club interprets the feel in your hands, right? That is a that is a huge that is a huge portion of the feel that you get is the overall sound. So we work extremely uh, extremely long on 
truly every product from our drivers, fairway woods, utilities, all the way into the irons and wedges as well. Because if it doesn't sound good, people are going to perceive it as maybe as the driver not being as hot or the iron not being as hot or having that, you know, Mizuno feel and sound. That's why we've had that hashtag online for a long time of nothing feels like a Mizuno because truly yeah. nothing does because nobody goes to extensive processes and uh, truly uh, we're one of the very few manufacturers that have our own forging facility. Um, not everybody has their own forging facility. We've had the same one for coming up on 50 years, uh, which has produced uh, virtually, every, virtually every forged iron that the company has ever made. So every time I creep over uh, when you're at one of the demo days and I creep over and I grab a few Mizuno clubs, there's always that one that goes, holy cow, that was that was crazy how far that went. Or, man, did that feel good. What's the, what's the club this year that you think will surprise people? What we're seeing so far in the first, uh, first couple of months is obviously we have seen in- incredible demand as we're getting uh, weekly market share numbers um, of, of how much our brand is growing. Uh, we're seeing a tremendous uh, movement in the uh, JPX Hot Metal, uh, the 921 Hot Metal, and the Hot Metal Pro. They are, uh, without a doubt, our hottest irons, and that category continues to grow as we've kind of separated those two irons to the you know, game improvement and the player's distance category, which are probably one, two in terms of sales. Um, it uh, is done incredibly, incredibly well. We've talked about the uh, drivers when you've come through here, and uh, you got the STX and the STZ. What is the difference there? What will people see? Well, what you're going to get from two two of the more uh, distinct shapes and designs, the STX driver is kind of our tour-shaped driver. It's got a little deeper face, a little shorter uh, heel to toe, so it's going to produce a little lower spin, um, but it's going to enhance a little bit more of a right-to-left ball flight. A uh, little bit more compact look at a dress, uh, the STZ driver is going to have more of that neutral weighting. Um, it's going to have more weight sitting on the Z-axis, which is going to be straight back from the center of the face. It's going to create incredible stability, uh, consistency, and forgiveness. Uh, it increases our COR area. It's kind of a mid, mid to low spin uh, that you can really shape uh, if you want something that sits a little bit more open or something that has a little draw bias. It, it can also do that as well. Two distinct drivers, both carry a brand new beta titanium. It's a 2041 beta titanium because uh, this year is all about, you know, exotic face materials. And so we've got a pure beta titanium face that makes it more flexible uh, and more durable than the standard uh, just alpha or alpha beta titanium blended faces. So let's hop into the uh, fairway woods, hybrids, all that good stuff. The fairway wood, when I set it down, it's probably the most face I've seen on a fairway wood, which, you know, all all players like to see a little bit of face instead of that more straight-faced look. It, it's got a really good look when you when you look down in it, but there's also some tech behind it, right? Very clean and simple. Uh, the, the fairway woods, the depth of the face, uh, it, they're both deeper on both the three and the five wood. This year we've gone back to an adjustable hosel, so it gives us uh, from a fitting aspect and face angle aspect just a lot more options. We've got an eight-way adjustable hosel on the driver, fairway, and utility. So it gives you all types of ball flight and trajectory out of one golf club. If we want something that's you know, stronger three-wood in the 13 or 14 or the way up to a four-wood loft, we can do that. Or you've got, obviously, from 
all the way up to close to 20 degrees of loft in the in the five wood. So it's a very versatile club. Uh, it has our patented wave sole design uh, with the new miraging steel face. So we get an incredibly thin, incredibly responsive face off the fairway wood. So you're going to get the distance. You're going to get the high launching, low spinning uh, trajectory off the fairway woods. And of course, all that versatility for your desired ball flight. All right, I'm going to round out your entire sales catalog. Talk about the wedges a little bit. I noticed the wedges <laughs> have gotten big, better and you know more in that line as well. Yeah, we, we've grown. We've added um, we've added a brand new model, which is something very unique um, to the industry. Uh, this is our our new ES21 series wedge, launched at the very end of October um, of 2020. It's a, a different approach. It's our first uh, two piece design wedge, so it's a forged face and hosel with a 431 stainless back piece. And what we've done is we've shifted a lot of weight out towards the toe. Uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, the center gravity of the wedge is not located in the center of the face. Uh, due to hosel length on wedges being longer, it shifts a little bit more weight, obviously towards the heel. That pulls the center gravity slightly down and slightly in from the center. So what we've done is we've shifted a significant amount of weight out towards the toe uh, to centralize that center gravity. So that gives us more stability and it gives us optimal spin and control from every loft. These they're available in sand and lob wedge. So this isn't the necessarily the full gamut of every loft wedge. Uh, gives multiple bounces. We've got a wide sole option. So those players that need a little bit more assistance uh, from the fairway in and around the greens inside that 100-yard range gives a lot of versatility still with uh, some grind and some relief in the heel and toe areas but gives a wedge that is incredibly, incredibly versatile uh, and gives incredible spin from any portion of the face due to the uh, milling that we do. We do both a, both a vertical and a horizontal milling on the face, which is something unique to the wedge category. And of course, we have our traditional T20. Our T20 is going to be our one piece. This is more of our tour-inspired wedge, same wedge that a lot of our staff players play on the PGA Tour uh, and, and across tours worldwide. Is going to be something a little bit thinner top line, more of a classic teardrop shape. Um, it's going to have multiple bounces. We do lofts all the way from 45 degree down and if you're wanting to change your pitching wedge uh, through the gap wedge sandwich all the way down to 62. We've got multiple bounces. There's three different grind options depending on turf and sand and of course your swing type depending on what you're looking at and um, coupled with three different finishes. We introduced uh, for the first time last fall, a raw option. So we've got a rusty option. We've got our standard blue ion and then a traditional white satin chrome. Um, we offer a full gamut in uh, lefty in the satin finish as well. So we've got a great uh, array of wedges, uh, wedge shafts, specialty wedge shafts, the new KBS high rev, black ion shaft is an option. Uh, some of the Modus Tour Wedge Shafts, Dynamic Gold Tour Issue S400 is going to be a stock option as well. So we've got a great list of wedge shafts to be coupled with, uh, coupled with some fantastic wedges. It's uh, it's great that you bring that up because the only reason you get Valentine's Day cards from our fitting staff is because of the great array of shaft options that you guys have. Talk through that and talk through kind of um how mizuno is different in that capacity because a lot of that is is just part of the part of the whole package right absolutely and uh, i'll kind of touch on woods as well as we have really increased our um our shaft offerings uh 
in our iron line, of course, you guys have our performance fitting system there at the, at the golf course and at the dome. And so with our patented shaft optimizer through three swings, we're help, we're able to identify the correct shaft based on the bending profile, truly how the shaft performs during your swing. We're able to customize that and test, uh, test those options right there. You've got over 70 shafts um, in your fitting system with a couple of upcharge, but 97% of the shafts we have are going to be no upcharge. You have no upcharge in every single grip option that we have from Lampkin, uh, Golf Pride, and Win. Uh, so it gives the player the ability to custom fit and the fitter to custom fit the exact option that they need for shaft in both iron, wood, and wedge without worrying about any excessive uh, upcharges. We've increased uh, our wood offerings uh, tremendously over the last year. We added three more shafts to go on with the other shafts that we have continuing on for different varying ball flights. We have the new Smoke RDX from Hazardous that's a lower launching, lower spinning. We have the new Fujikura Matori F3, which is kind of a mid-launching and a very amount of weights. And then we have the new Evenflow Riptide uh, CB, which is a counterbalance shaft to give a little bit different feel uh, from the uh, weight perspective, and then also kind of a mid to high launch. So we've got 50 options and no charge for drivers and fairway woods as well. So we, we definitely have, we've covered the gamut of bend profiles and obviously premium. There is an A shaft in our entire line in driver, fairway, wood, wedge, or iron. Those are all aftermarket real deal shafts. There's not one shaft in our entire line for any product that they made for shaft. So you know when you're being custom fit by uh, the staff there at Mistwood, by Eric and his staff, you're going to get the premium tour quality uh, irons, wedges, shafts, grips, everything. So there is not a made-for option that's out there. We definitely appreciate the marketing yeah, from you to us. Yeah, that's a clip we're going to keep. So appreciate sure. that. Uh, we can't forget. <laughs> you got it. We can't forget about the part of the game where you do save a lot of strokes. You have the MCraft putter line out. We got a good look at those in the fall. Uh, tell us about it. Last spring, just a little, uh, right at about a year uh, at the PGA Show of 2020, uh, we launched our new MCraft line. And uh, just this past Friday, we launched three more models. So we've got a total of six models. They are all uh, grain flow forged out of our 1025 carbon steel. So a process and a material that we are very familiar with is, like I said earlier, we have just about perfected the forging process. So we have six different models. We have three mallet designs. We have three of the more blade designs. And one of the unique things, it's not just a Ford's 1025 putter. Each putter comes with its own weight kit. So we have two weights uh, in the sole of the putter that you can change uh, out overall weight. You can change out with a little bit more weight in the heel, a little bit more weight in the toe, depending on your stroke type to really customize that putter. It's very simple. Uh, comes with three gram, eight gram, and 13 gram weights. So it gives the player that option to change from a 340 gram uh, head all the way up to a 365 gram head. One of the mallet designs, uh, the number six, which is our, our winged mallet, goes from 360 all the way up to 380 grams. So we can really change the overall weight of the putter and overall feel. You have a deep milling in the face. Uh, so we have a classic feel and consistent roll and as well as three different uh, finishes as well you can customize the putter uh, with the finish because all six models come in either a 
traditional white satin, uh, the blue ion or a black ion, just kind of depending what your ion profile likes. There's two face balance models. There's two models that have a generous amount of toe hang, and then you have two models that have a mid amount of toe hang. So really kind of fitting each stroke type and for each player that uh, might like a, a little different look. Let's kind of nerd out a little bit on that. So as far as um, the weight, you know, goes, you've got a pretty big variance of weight there. What's What type of conditions would the player want to um, kind of be customizing their putter to as far as, as far as the weight goes? You know, number one, personal preference, I would definitely think. Uh, some players like something that's a little bit heavier, some like a little bit lighter. And depending on green, green speed as well. That could be something you could work along with your pro to determine you're playing one specific course. You kind of know the greens maybe be a little bit slower, a little bit faster. You can customize that putter in simply about 15, 20 seconds. You can completely change the profile of the putter. So what I would do is probably work along with your with your teaching pro like yourself, Andy, uh, to kind of customize those, uh, those weights uh, very simply and easily uh, right there on the putting green. Or, of course, the player can do that at home if they've got uh, – little carpet down the hall or a uh, putting studio at home. So let's break it down a little bit more as far as the average golfer goes, because I love hearing about all of the technology and the equipment and just where it's headed. It's really exciting. But when you're fitting someone, what are the main things they're looking for? I think we hear distance and things like that, but what are some main things you're zeroing in on? Of course, everybody wants to pick up every single yard they possibly can. And really what we what what I kind of do when starting the fitting process is is find out their goals for the fitting, whether we're looking at wood options, we're looking at iron options. When we're looking at iron options, our goal, obviously, number one, in my opinion, is going to be dispersion. You know, irons, of course, we all want to hit them as, as far as we possibly can. And we shouldn't necessarily focus just on how far we can hit the seven iron, because guess what? We can sell you a six iron, too, that's going to go a little farther. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but what we want to do is obviously <laughs> what we we want to do is obviously is reduce your dispersion. So that's number one. And we find that using our shaft optimizer and gaining uh, the correct bend profile for the player, we find out that we can gain not only distance, improve trajectory, uh, but we can vastly improve uh, their dispersion, which again, hitting greens, getting it closer to the green definitely going to tend to lower scores. Now, of course, we shift to the driver. That's obviously the club that everybody's trying to hit as, you know, as far as possible as we see the, uh, you know, the gains every year and everybody pushing and maximizing. And, you know, manufacturers are just about maximized when it comes to, obviously, CT ranges as we're improving that and we're maxed out on COR and things like that. So it's shaft fitting. Shaft fitting is obviously huge, which is one of the reasons we've expanded our wood shaft options, Um, you know, in in a couple of years to come where we have and to offer 50 different options in in woods is amazing. Over 70 for irons, uh, which is an amazing thing to have. But those are probably the couple of things that we want to do is, is focus in on, you know, what the player is looking for in the fitting. Are we looking for more distance? Are we looking for more accuracy? And then pinpoint uh, and go through the steps to get that and get the correct lie angle as well, which a lot of people, you know, test lie angle kind of the old school way. Um, with our shaft optimizer, it digitally measures your lie angle. So during our shaft fitting process, you've already been custom fit for lie angle. So we're able to pinpoint 
and really get down to the half a degree on lie angle of what fits that player the best. Uh, we re- usually don't see the wild range of extreme uprights or extreme flats because, again, we're getting that shaft correct as well. Before we let you go, when can we expect to see the new MP irons out? Uh, MP irons, there's a possibility you may see something this fall. Um, that's usually about the, the calendar year, so we're probably looking at uh, a mid-September release is, is the uh, chance of when that's going to happen. Yeah, MP20 is going to continue on until this fall. We do two-year product life cycles on most of our products, so you can kind of pinpoint uh, usually exactly when stuff is coming out. But we've heard some good things about some testing and prototypes uh, for, for this fall. So uh, we're very much looking forward to those, and we'll see those probably come this summer at our uh, national sales meeting. And if two sets fall off the truck, one righty, one lefty, we'll be, uh, we'll be able to get those. <laughs> that's right that's right we yeah, we can we can definitely discuss that you got to give the lefties some love you know i'm, I'm here but yeah we offer we offer a nice selection in lefty we've got uh, we've got three different models in lefty we've got the driver fairway utility and every wedge loft uh we got to work on the we got to work on the putters i understand we got to work on the putters but um we have left-handed golf balls we have right-handed golf balls as well so we're we're good to go I just hit them far left and far right. So thanks, Chris Campbell, Mizuno Golf, Territory Manager. Thank you so much for the time and the insight. Love it. Guys, appreciate your time very much and the continued support. Uh, You guys have a fantastic facility, and I really appreciate you guys inviting me on today. Thanks, Chris. Like I said, I love that. Talking the equipment, the technology, I don't always understand it. I'm getting better, but just to take a deep dive, and as you said, nerd out is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's always fun, you know, especially just getting into the weeds on things. And Chris has a really great understanding of, of, of what makes uh, Mizuno different. Obviously, it's it's not your Mizuno from 20 years ago where everyone was focused on the MP line and, and you know, what ca- type of blade are you playing. I mean, I played an MP blade in, in college. Uh, our head pro, Frank, played an MP blade. It, it felt like we all played Mizuno blades at some point, but Mizuno is so much bigger and, and better than that right now. Um, and I'm, I'm glad he hopped into the into the shaft part of things because they they really differentiate themselves on offering the most premium shaft options which we have, and mating them with some of the best uh, designed and best made um, materials in the in the industry. So uh, that was awesome for him to get into to all that information. And obviously, we have the entire lineup here at uh, at, at uh, Mistwood, so uh, we're excited to to partner with them. And one of the things we missed out on this year that we look forward to every single year is heading down to the PGA show in Orlando and demo day. They went virtual online this year. Uh, We missed it. It's a great time for us to all spend time together, get along, talk golf, be around golf and see all the latest equipment that he just talked about. Yeah. For me, it's my favorite week of the year. It's like a golf fantasy camp for me because I, I love uh, just, just the chance to connect with, kind of the titans in the industry, be able to connect with, you know, fellow pros from around the country, uh, finding those those ways and those unique ways uh, during that week to, to connect that you just don't get, I'm sorry, you just don't get virtually. Um, and uh, just just kind of the, the excitement that happens from golf, from the PGA show, I think is um, – you know, something that's that's second to none every single year, like recharges your battery and goes, okay, let's go for the next season. And not that we're 
we don't feel that that way, but it's kind of like a defined moment. It's a defined moment for the golf industry. Say, all right, let's go. Let's go into that next year. And uh, definitely, I think we missed it. It's funny leading up to it, you know, people that have gone 15, 20, 25 years, I've, I've gone for, I think the last eight years now, you know, they, oh, well, I won't miss it. You know, going around to Orlando and doing all the same stuff. And some of the most curmudgeon people that I know that, you know, downplayed, you know, no show this year. We're like, man, I can't believe I actually miss, miss going to the show. It's because it's not about the show. It's not about the the little things of the show. It's about all those other connection pieces. It's about all that other networking um, that makes kind of that week magic. And I definitely missed it, and I really hope it doesn't go away uh, for the future. And for us, I think it's extra special leaving Chicago winter <laughs> yeah, for not bad for five Orlando. days or so to go down to Orlando. Some say the happiest place on earth is Disney World. Well, we're pretty close, and uh, it's a good week over there. Uh, just like you said, the titans of the industry, uh, rubbing elbows with them, talking with them, and just having regular conversations about golf and what they're excited about because there are so many amazing golf minds. Two years ago, we interviewed – Mizuno and the people that actually create the golf club. Actually made I mean, it. we had Roger Cleveland. He's yeah. a regular guest as well. We were running marketing questions by Harry Arnett at the time, the chief yeah. marketing officer at Kelly. Like, when do you ever get that chance? And you don't. They're open books. <laughs> Harry was fantastic, right. and we. That's why we love Callaway so much, is because we have a lot of the same ideals and the way we think. So, that's life lessons, life moments. It's all of that. But we did that. What in like a three-hour span that one day at. Uh, Orange County National, and it just booth to booth to booth to booth. You're meeting all the most special people in this industry. That a multi-billion-dollar industry, equipment industry, especially. It's like it, it's just so cool to connect with those people. Like, what are you thinking in making this? What like the connection you can make with those people is incredible. Yeah, the the, the Roger Cleveland moment from a couple of years ago, where hey Roger, how you doing? Great, and you know he he knows Mistwood pretty well, but he gave us half hour of his time. And just went through the entire lineup and, you know, why he did this, why he did that. You're not going to get that off a commercial. You're not going to get that reading a, a magazine or from, honestly, from your sales rep stopping by and talking about the stuff. I mean, that's the stuff you, you just, I will literally never forget is those type of moments. And for us dropping these names and these stories, this is therapy for us because we didn't get to go. <laughs> right. And we need this. It's been a long winter. We've had a lot of snow. It's been cold. And we're looking forward to outdoor season. But as far as Misswood goes, we have the Misswood Golf Dome, which it comes up a lot. It's a premier facility. Uh, we firmly believe that in what we provide there, and everyone enjoys it. So it's been packed over there, Andy. Yeah, there's been some there's been some magic this year, kind of some unforeseen magic, right? Um, it's it's been a really good year for us um, from a participation standpoint, right? We're we're doing this safely uh, with the right number of people per bay and you know, making sure that we're we're really um, you know, watching the number of people that are that are in the dome on a daily basis or yep. an hourly basis, even. But what's been great is is uh, we we put a reservation system in play uh, at the dome, and it, it's really been a blessing in disguise. At times when we've been so busy that we virtually cannot service uh, the market that we're trying to service uh, in the Chicagoland area. I mean, when you look at it, there's basically five or less um, dedicated golf domes. And we're still the only golf dome uh, that has top tracer range. Not that I'm endorsing that for another golf dome, but we are still the the one that's kind of differentiating ourselves and making ourselves unique. So uh, this reservation system has has allowed us to be able to uh, entertain more players 
uh, but also have the players have an expectation of, um, you know, when they're able to play. In the past, when we didn't have reservations, uh, you know, there's there's times where customers weren't happy. Customers didn't know the expectation of having to wait, for instance. So it's been it's been a really strong season, and and uh, just just a lot of happy customers, and you know the improvements that we made on the dome. Uh, as far as the structure goes, and and just the just the overall look and feel is just so much better than it's been in the past. And as there's been demand in the past at the Missoula Golf Dome, I think the demand's been there again. People want to get out, they want to practice, but that speaks more to I think golf in general and what we're expecting hopefully in the spring and summer to come. Yeah, I, I've said this for a while now. Golf's not going anywhere. I don't care what comes back. I don't care, you know, sports that are coming back and everything else. Um, the landscape of, you know, people working from home or people uh, really valuing their work-life balance, uh, which which is kind of one of the the great things actually to come out of this pandemic, uh, is people understanding that. I think golf is still very high up on the priority list for people, um, and they're understanding that that's one of the best ways to to connect with people in a world where we're disconnecting um, and connecting via Zoom or one of those type of platforms, it's like golf is literally one of the best and safest ways to do that. And it will be, um, you know, for, for the time to come, we don't know when, you know, this will end. We don't know when, uh, the people's kind of social habits change. I, you know, this, we can all have vaccines in our arms, but do you think that the social habits of people will change right away? I don't think so. So, you know, one of those constants that, that was there throughout this entire process was golf and enjoying golf and enjoying golf in a safe way. So uh, that's going to stay there again, the foundation that's been laid and I've talked about it before the foundation that's been laid in junior golf, the foundation that's been laid in, in people coming back to the game or coming to the game for the first time in 2020, that's not going to go away. Their, their, their passion is, is, is still there and uh, they'll find a way to get to the golf course. And for the new golfers, it's hitting that first good shot and seeing where it goes and how it feels and wanting to have that happen again. Yeah, if you find just just that first time finding the center of the face, I can actually remember, <laughs> I think every golfer can, I can remember when I was in seventh grade, the first time I felt <laughs> a shot hit, hit off the center of the face, I can tell you what hole it was, I can tell you what shot it was, but that that little piece of magic like sticks with you forever and that's your... That's that addicting drug that golf is. That is a feeling that I would joke I'm still looking for trying to hit the center of the face, but I'll do my best as we get into the spring season. We'll bring that excitement into the next episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we'll be back soon. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, great show, Ben. Thanks a lot. Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.